We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Chicago Bears select... Welcome to Picks for Polls, presented by The Bear Report. Your number one source for everything Chicago Bears draft news, analysis, scouting reports, and more. Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, making their way to the podium, Andrew Freeman and Usaid Koshal. Welcome to Picks for Polls, a Chicago Bears draft podcast presented by the Bear Report and Blue Wire Pods. My name is Andrew Freeman, and of course, I'm happy to be joined by my co-host, Yusei Koshal. We are recording this episode on Wednesday, September 7th here. We're a few days out from the start of the Bears 2022 season. We're one day away from uh, the start of the NFL season for 2022 with the Rams and the Bills uh you know, facing off on Thursday. I think this episode will probably be out um, following that game on Friday, but, you know, we'll see when we get this out. But, uh, you know, we have a lot to talk about today. We have an exciting guest for uh, today that we had a great interview with. Uh, before we get into all that, how are you doing today, you said? Yeah, I'm doing well. It's like you mentioned, a little over, or I'm sorry, a little under 24 hours from the NFL kickoff. So that's certainly exciting. And then I'm just looking forward to kind of having that first Bears game on Sunday where, you know, and we'll get into it with Tracy Sandler in a couple minutes here. But I think that this is, without a doubt, something just feels different with this regular season opener. And I don't think it's the fact that it's a new coaching staff or a new regime. I just think that for the first time in forever opening week in the NFL seems so different for the bears because there's a legitimate quarterback under center that the fan base has rallied around. Whereas you look at the last time that there was new QB under center, well, it was Matt Nagy and Mitch Trubisky, and there were still a lot of people within the fan base who were incredibly skeptical about Trubisky. But with Fields, it seems like everyone's all in. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can just sense it with the fan base. You know, everyone's all in on Justin Fields, and you know, everyone's just excited to see what he can do in year two here, first year with a new regime. So uh, a lot of it's going to be a, a lot of ex- exciting stuff. And like you said, we had uh, a guest on for today's episode that we were able to talk to a little bit earlier uh, today. Uh, that's Tracy Sandler, um, who covers the 49ers, and we, we were ha- very happy to have her on. She was able to give us some nice insight into uh, the 49ers going into this week one game. So we have that interview, which we'll be, we'll be playing later on in this episode. But uh, before we get into previewing this game for uh, you know 49ers against the Bears here for week one, uh, we do have some college football storylines to kind of talk about here real quick before we get to that. And, you know, the two games that we mentioned last week as games to watch out for were uh, Georgia against Oregon and uh, Notre Dame against Ohio state. Now Georgia against Oregon, there wasn't a ton to talk about in this one. It was, it was a laugher, you know, uh, Georgia pretty much kicked their butt 49 to three. It was, it was pretty obvious from the, from the jump of that game that uh, Georgia was the superior team, but Ohio state Notre Dame, that was a pretty competitive one for the most part, a low scoring game for the most part. So, a lot to dig in here. Let's just start the Georgia-Oregon game. Uh, you see, I mean, there's not a ton to talk about here. It was one team that's just much better than the other one. But, you know, any takeaways from this one in terms of a, a prospect standpoint? Yeah, well, the first takeaway I think just is really worth mentioning is the simple fact that when you look at that Georgia defense, I mean, they lost so many starters to the 2022 NFL draft. The big question going into this year was going to be, 
who is going to replace all that talent, right? And I think that Saturday showcased why players like Jalen Carter, Chris Smith, Keeley Ringo, Nolan Smith, why exactly Georgia's defense is ready to pick up right where it left off compared to last season. Now, the expectations, I think, in Athens this year as a result of that defense are once again championship. But I think what you just saw was an incredibly well-oiled machine. And the second point that I want to make is this, is that Oregon obviously is breaking in a new quarterback. They're breaking in a new head coach with Bo Nix being the transfer from Auburn there. But, you know, Bo did struggle. But on the other side for the Bulldogs, what we saw was Stetson Bennett, the QB, you know, him basically coming in. And it's interesting because if you were to talk to me right now, sitting here about the 2021 Georgia Bulldogs, I would tell you, well, they were as good as they were and they upset Alabama simply because they had a really good defense. They had one of the best defenses in the country. But this year, if you talk to me about Georgia, and this is just going off the one game, so things certainly could change. I think that Stetson Bennett has certainly taken a step forward this year. Is he ever going to be that elite top-tier quarterback prospect? Not really. As an athlete, he certainly has his limitations. But with Stetson, I think you're seeing the accuracy, the poise, his ability to be calm, you know, feel the pressure, step up and make throws. You're seeing that pop up. And all of that, I think, translates really well into the most critical aspect of the game for a quarterback, which is the mental aspect of it. Is that since just mentally the game slowed down for him. So this year, Georgia can be just as good as they were last year with the little caveat that the quarterback might have just figured it out. Yeah, Bennett looked pretty solid in this one. Um, again, we have to put it all in the context, you know, of the, of the opponent. Obviously, Georgia, they were just superior athletically. Uh, to the Oregon uh, team, but uh, I mean, bets, bet, uh, you know, he played well. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's, that's a bet. It's just one of those things where he didn't do a ton for this team last year, but you know, this Georgia defense is going to be great once again, but I'm not sure if they're going to be quite as great um, as they were last year. So he's going to have to step up, especially when they start to play teams like Alabama, uh, maybe Florida, which we'll get to in a little bit with Richardson here. Uh, But you know, there's going to be some teams that can score some points in the SEC, and you know, Stetson Bennett's going to have to step up in those games. And you know, it helps to have uh, the level of weaponry that he has, especially in the tight end room. You know, this Georgia tight end room here is really, really fantastic, and they showed out in this one. You know, Brock Bowers, uh, he looked the part of being a, one of the better tight ends in this upcoming draft class, or at least one of the draft eligible uh, upcoming tight ends. You, know, you have Eric Gilbert there, that Darnell Washington, he had probably the play of the day where he you know got the ball in the flat and just absolutely bulldozer got, you know, shoved off a Oregon defensive back and then uh, juked one of the, juked over another defensive back as well. Like uh, they just have dudes on that Georgia offense, man. They have athletes on defense and they're, they're going to be a tough team once again to play for any of these college football teams. But especially if you're playing out of conference games, like uh, these teams just don't have the athletes to match up with these guys. And there's really only a couple teams, it's the Alabamas of the world's, um, the Ohio States of the world, uh, maybe the Clemsons, if they, you know, actually had a good, I know, a good quarterback, you know, a Trevor Lawrence, Deshaun Watson type of quarterback to be able to match up with these guys. But I mean, they don't this year, but um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's pretty much the list here. And yeah, it's, it's going to be insane to see what these guys can do. Uh, John Carter had a pretty good game. He had, you know, a couple good pressures in this one. He had that one play that went viral on Twitter where he just completely like forklift that offensive tackle for Oregon to get into the backfield to make a play in the run game. Like uh, Carter, he looks the part, he looks good. So uh, again, not, not a ton to take away from this game, but um, overall Georgia, they look poised to have another big year uh, in this one. Uh, Notre Dame, Ohio state. I think there's a little bit more to take away from this one. Obviously uh, CJ Stroud, uh, he was probably the biggest storyline to come away from this one. He struggled for the most part. It seemed like he struggled for the most part in this game. It probably wasn't one of his, better performances you know the the ending stat line wasn't terrible but um you know definitely not one of his better games and especially if you're looking at his trajectory going into this year you know we saw him kind of start this way last year where he's a little bit up and down to start the year but we, we saw consistent improvement throughout the season last year and he thought that trajectory would hold throughout uh, this upcoming year 
But, I mean, it, it seems like, you know, it's week one, and maybe it was just one of those things where he was rusty Notre Dame. They have some good good players on that defense there. But, you know, what's the greatest game for uh, C.T. Stroud here to start off the season? Yeah, you're right, it was. And obviously, I think that the star-wide receiver, who a lot of people have pegged as an early first-round pick, and Jackson Smith and Jigba didn't help that he left. Now, I will say, I think that Notre Dame was kind of in this game until Ohio State sort of pulled away in the second half. And I think that that's really going to be the testament, right, is that you and I kind of came to a consensus that C.J. Stroud is QB1 right now ahead of Bryce Young. The rankings will obviously shift in certain players' favors over the next couple months. And as we do get into draft season here, especially as things get underway here with the college football season, But, you know, this was one of those games where it was, I think, a really true test to see whether or not CJ has legitimately grown. And my big takeaway just after kind of looking at some coverage for this game is that CJ still has a much longer way to go than I think a lot of people anticipated. Yeah, I mean, it was both of our QB1s going into this year. And, you know, comparing to Bryce Love, who had a pretty good game, obviously against Utah State. So the, the level of competition is not the same. But Bryce Love had a – or Bryce Young, I should say, had a really good start to the year. And, you know, C.J. Stroud didn't quite start the year um, the way you want to. Uh, if you wanted to see, you know, fireworks in week one, wasn't quite the case in this one. He had a much better second half than he had first half. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think Najimba being out was a big deal for this one. Um, that clearly played a role throughout this game. You know, just not having that reliable, you know, presence here at that wide receiver one to rely on for him. Um, and you could tell that, you know, I'll stay, they have a bunch of different receivers here that CJ Stroud is working with. So they're still working out the kinks of uh, working out that chemistry. Um, you know, you have guys like Garrett Wilson and Olave last year that, you know, had been in the same system for a long time, knew what to expect from those guys. Not quite the case this year. I mean, they have a lot of talent at wide receiver. It's just a matter of getting up to speed with the quarterback and whatnot. So that's going to be something to kind of keep an eye on throughout the uh, throughout this year with Ohio State. Now, in terms of some other storylines for the first week of college football here, I think, you know, if we're looking at uh, quarterbacks here, you know, you got to talk about Anthony Richardson and what he did for Florida. You know, the, the passing stats weren't outstanding for him, but you saw the playmaking ability and the physical tools that Richardson had. Uh, with three touchdowns on the ground, over 100 yards rushing, rushing, and um, he made a couple of just fantastic plays um, in this one as well. You know, Rich, uh, Richardson, a ton of question marks for him going this year, but clearly he has the tools to work with here, and it's going to make him an exciting prospect to cover this year because, you know, we're looking for that third quarterback to step up in this upcoming quarterback class, and Richardson it looks like he can be that guy. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to go ahead and to watch Anthony Richardson's development. I believe as Billy Napier kind of breaks in and remolds the Florida Gators into something that Dan Mullen was just not able to do. So, you know, and again, Richardson was one of the guys that I believe I spotlighted when I kind of started my 2023 draft coverage. So the reality is that for him, it's just going to be about steady incremental improvement. Now, if you were to talk to me about the top three QBs in this class in terms of tiers, I think you would have Stroud and Young in tier one, and then you would probably have Richardson in tier two. Now, Richardson would have to improve dramatically to even make that jump into tier one. But another major storyline here, and it's something that I think didn't necessarily get enough attention over the weekend, is that you had, you know, LSU, which game one of the Brian Kelly era kind of started out with a loss to the Florida State Seminoles. I mean, LSU lost 24-23, and then you had a lot of people kind of calling for Brian Kelly's head and thinking it's absolutely outrageous that they poached Brian away from Notre Dame. He was supposed to be the guy that was supposed to come in here, get this team back to relevancy, and naturally that didn't happen. So ultimately, I think that when you look at this game, the big storyline is just the simple fact that star wide receiver Keyshawn Booty kind of took down anything and everything to do with the Tigers from his social media, kind of disassociated himself from the team. And so now that's leading to all sorts of questions. And the major question is that let's just say in the event, Keyshawn does enter the transfer portal. If he does do that and he signs on with a school somewhere midseason, there's going to be questions about eligibility that pop up. But then at the end of the day, 
could something like this affect his draft stock going into April? Because again, he is a player that's pegged as a top 10 pick and that many have him as a top three wide receiver in this draft class. Yeah, that that's, that's going to be an interesting one to follow here with Butte because he is one of the more talented guys in this class. Um, but, you know, he had a couple of drops in this one that were pretty critical for LSU in this loss. Um, you know, there, there were some struggles, I think, with Jaden Daniels, a quarterback, you know, not getting him the ball, not playing on time. And Florida State was doing things to try and take him out of the game. So I think all that was, you know, less frustration here. But, I mean, you know, we'll see what happens. I mean, there was that – yeah, that fake tweet that came out there that he was entering the transfer portal. It looks like that's not the case, but there's definitely going to be some tension there. And that's a situation they're they're going to have to sue the other um, this season because he is their, they're probably the most, their most talented player on offense this year. And it, for Brian Kelly first year kind of establishing his program there, you know, you want to have those type of guys there to kind of um, help establish kind of a winning culture, so to speak. Um, and, and, you know, not have something blow up like that happen so soon for your program. So that would be kind of the main thing for him. And obviously you want to see Butte. We want to see him in the draft next year because he is, he does have a ton of talent, but there are some questions for him to answer as well. But in terms of the game itself, like that was just a, <laughs> it's a wild finish for the LC Florida state game to end on a, on a blocked um, extra point, just ridiculous stuff. I mean, only in college football could you have, an ending like that. So um, it was a pretty exciting week of college football overall, but that only precludes what's going to be an exciting, crazy week, I think, of NFL football coming up. And speaking of NFL football, that gets us to um, our guest for today's episode. We were able to sit down and talk with, uh, like we said before, Tracy Sandler, um, who covers the 49ers, was able to talk to us about some of the major storylines going into this year uh, for the 49ers as a uh, face off against the bears on Sunday. So without further ado, let's get into our discussion here with Tracy. Uh, it was a very, it was, it was a fun one for sure. So here is our discussion on the 49ers with Tracy. Sandler. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, Bears fans, we are happy to be joined here at Pixar Pools by a special guest today, Tracy Sandler. She's the founder and CEO of the Fangirl Sports Network and uh, host of the Tracy Sandler Show on Believe. Uh, Tracy's beat reporter covering the San Francisco 49ers, which is pretty important considering that we have a game this weekend to talk about that uh, just so happens to involve the San Francisco 49ers playing uh, the Chicago Bears for week one, kicking off the 2022 uh, season. You know, it's, it's exciting. You know, football's back. And we're, of course, ha- uh, really excited to have Tracy on the show today to give us some much-needed insight on the Bears' week one opponent. But before we get into our football discussion today, Tracy, it's great to have you on the show. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. We made it to week one. I feel like we've been talking about week one of the NFL season really since the end of the, su- the Super Bowl. So it's yeah. really great to finally be here. And yeah, I'm excited to talk. Yeah, it's been a long off season, and I think we're all just ready to talk about games that like actually matter at this point instead of all the speculation. But I mean, we have a little bit of speculation due right now because we have to talk about um, some of the major storylines, I think, going into this week one game. And mm-hmm. the first major storyline, I think that is going to be the big one for this game is we have Trey Lance against Justin Fields as the quarterback matchup, two guys from the uh, 2021 quarterback draft class, which was a 
you know, looks like a pretty talented quarterback class um, mm-hmm. going forward here. And, you know, you look at that, obviously this is Trey Lance's first full season as the starter for the 49ers last year. It was Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, he was the guy. And now, you know, Trey Lance, he spent the entire off season as pretty much given the keys to the franchise here as a starting quarterback. So I think the first question I have for you, Tracy, is, you know, how has Lance progressed based off what you've seen from this year and last year, just kind of making that comparison and what are the expectations for him both internally and kind of externally for this season? Well, I think you see someone who certainly has the confidence and poise ready to take over the team. So I think that's an important thing, has those leadership skills, which is also important because that was one of the things that people really loved about Jimmy Garoppolo. And he's now that he's in the locker room, it's important for Trey Lance to exhibit those same kinds of skills. From a football perspective, we've been able to see through training camp and a little bit in the preseason, the ability is there, the potential is there. There have been flashes of play. But he is essentially a rookie quarterback. Yes, it's his second season, uh, but where Justin Fields may have a slight advantage over Trey Lance is that he started for a year. Trey Lance started two games last year. He didn't play a whole lot in college. So this is a big thing for him coming into this week one as a starter. And I think the expectation is and should be, I say this to 49ers fans all the time, is that it is going to be an up and down season. Like I said before, the ability is there. The flashes that are there, you can see off schedule plays are going to potentially be very exciting for San Francisco, but it will be a little bit up and down. The accuracy is not a hundred percent there. He's still, you know, getting chemistry with some of his receivers. I've been saying to 49ers fans, I really feel it'll be two or three years before we see the full potential of Trey Lance. Do I think he will play well this season? Yes. But I think the expectation should be kind of what we saw in training camp where there were a couple days, few days that were great. And there were days that were not. And it's just to be expected right now. So kind of going off that, Andrew mentioned Jimmy G. You mentioned Jimmy Mm -hmm. as well. I mean, there was so much speculation, especially throughout the summer months, that Jimmy was possibly going to be traded. There were a couple teams that were linked to him. But the 49ers a couple days ago kind of brought Jimmy back, worked out his deal, restructured the whole thing. What impact do you think that has on a locker room that kind of went into the offseason expecting uncertainty at the QB position despite having Trey and Jimmy all throughout last season? Well, I don't think the locker room had any uncertainty about the quarterback position. The locker room – I think was very clearly under the impression and understanding that Trey Lance was going to be the quarterback. The 49ers did want to trade Jimmy Garoppolo. He had the offseason shoulder surgery on his throwing arm that really thwarted that. You know, they they admit that there were no concrete offers, but there were talks going on with various teams. He had the shoulder surgery, and then a number of things happened in the offseason that nobody could have predicted. And all of those things made it to the that when he was healthy and cleared to throw there weren't a lot of options. So it really kind of made sense for both sides. From a locker room perspective now, we're back in the locker room this season, which is great. So I can actually speak to the locker room. And from a locker room perspective now, it doesn't feel weird. I would say personally, the first day of practice that Jimmy was back, and it's only been a few days that he's been back, the first day that he was back, it felt a little weird from the outside. I don't think it's weird to them. It doesn't feel weird to them right now. What will be interesting to see as the season goes on is when Trey struggles, because he will struggle, just be, that's just the nature. When Trey struggles, what happens? But Kyle Shanahan actually spoke to that today, and he spoke to the fact that the quarterback position is the position that's going to get the most criticism no matter what. And that even if Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't there when Trey struggles, people, Twitter, fans, whatever, are going to – calling for his head. It was the wrong choice, et cetera, et cetera. And he made a really good point. He said, you know, there were times where Jimmy struggled and the locker room got behind him when Trey was there, when Trey wasn't there. So he expects the same thing to happen now. And I expect the same thing to happen now because this was a team that a hundred percent from to a man that we talked to was ready for Trey Lance to take over, expected him to take over, excited for him to take over, understood that he's essentially a rookie quarterback. I mean, George Kittle had said a couple times, you know, he has a lot of pieces around him. So if he struggles, there are a lot of us there to to help him out. 
There's also there's an interior of the offensive line issue. So that also will will add to the struggles. But in terms of the locker room with these two quarterbacks, I don't think it's really going to be an issue. And they did it last year. It's different. It definitely is different. But I don't think it's going to be an issue. And part of that also is because of who Jimmy is and who Trey is. And I think they'll I think they'll be fine. Now, let's talk in week seven. <laughs> but I think I think they'll be fine. It's as the old saying goes from Mike Tyson, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth, so to speak. So yes. we'll see how those first weeks go. But, I mean, you talk about who they are as people in the locker room. Um, you know, having the, having is not, it's nothing wrong with having a really good backup quarterback, especially if you're a team like the 49ers who were so close to making the Super Bowl last year. So always nice to have a contingency there in case injuries happen, in case things I mean, yeah, I mean, you could say in terms of a quarterback room, I kind of think they're in the best position in the league. I'm not saying either of them are the best quarterbacks in the league. I just think they're they're in a pretty fantastic position that, let's say, Trey did get hurt. And last year we saw Trey did get hurt. You know, he didn't play that much, and he did get hurt a couple of times. If Trey were to get hurt, if he were to miss a couple of weeks, you have Jimmy Garoppolo, Garoppolo coming in as his backup your season doesn't get derailed, which is a very rare thing in the NFL. Usually you lose the quarterback and that's about it, but that wouldn't be the case here. And I think they're in a pretty unique position if they can make it work. And I think that's the whole thing. We don't know. It's easy to talk about the locker room before the the year has even started, but if they can make it work, they're in a pretty unique and, and probably enviable position for a lot of teams. Yeah. You talk about the quarterback position being a unique one. Um, but another position group uh, to focus on here for the 49ers has to be the offensive line as well. That's another big storyline because, you know, mm-hmm. the 49ers, they lost two starters from last year on their offensive line. Obviously, left guard Lincoln Tomlinson, he left them free agency to go to the New York Jets. He's, you know, been a pretty solid left guard for them over the past few seasons. And they also saw Alex Mack, their center, retire um, after a couple a couple years with the team as well. Um, he's been one of the better centers in the NFL for quite a long time. Um, so, you, you obviously have the literal like alien elite left tackle and Trent Williams, who's like ageless at this point, um, coming off one of the most dominant seasons, at least from a tackle in NFL history. Um, and Mike McGlitchy, it seems like he's going to be back healthy at right tackle based off of what I've seen. Um, I'm not sure there's any light you can, uh, you can kind of show on that. But the interior is a bit of a question mark at this time. You know, what do the 49ers do to address that this offseason? And how do you see that group playing out as the season progresses? Well, I think the interior of the offensive line, to me, I've been talking about it this whole offseason because to me that that is, to me, that's almost a bigger storyline than the quarterback. And part of that is because that interior of the offensive line could very well affect the quarterback. Luckily, they have Kyle Shanahan who can scheme a lot and, and make up for it in a lot of ways. You have a mobile quarterback, but it's going to be an issue. And Mike McGlinchey was back at practice he does seem to be healthy. That that seems to be fine. But the interior of the offensive line is shaky at best. They're hoping that second-year player Aaron Banks, who did not play at all last year, is going to step up and be the second-round draft pick that they picked in 2021. Uh, they certainly didn't see it last year because he didn't play at all. Kyle Shanahan has said that if things had gone differently when they were 3-5, and five, perhaps he would have gotten in, but he didn't. So, He's because you basically have another essentially a rookie protecting essentially a rookie. Uh, The question marks at center. Daniel Brunskill has a hamstring injury. It kept him out of practice today on Wednesday. So it's going to be an issue. It is definitely going to be an issue. I don't know the starting offensive line that we see on Sunday in the first series. I don't think is going to be the starting offensive line every week. I don't even know that 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 group is going to stick together throughout the game. But the thing with an offensive line that is, of course, very difficult is how important chemistry is. And I don't know that this group is ever going to be completely cohesive throughout the season because they're going to have to shuffle them around. You are right. They have Trent Williams. It's a shame that Trent Williams can't just lie down and stop everybody because he is the best left tackle in the league. And, you know, McGlinchey should should come back after the injury and and play well, but they got a lot of questions there and it's going to be an issue. I I just, I don't see any way that it can't be an issue. 
So let's talk dynamic playmakers because you have tight end George Kittle, who I think I saw on Twitter today is nursing an injury. So he's hurt. And then you've got wide receiver Debo Samuel kind of had a crazy off season between him possibly being traded to locking him up. But, you know, what are some weapons for the 49ers that the bears are going to have their hands full with and, Name some people that could make an impact for the 49ers in this game and throughout the season. So first of all, with George Kittle, I know I said he was hurt. He he has a groin injury and they don't know his status for Sunday. So that becomes a big one too. just quickly going back to our other conversation, because not only is he George Kittle, but he's so integral to the block blocking game, to the run game, to blo- blocking. And I said that so weirdly, but he's such an integral blocker. That's what the, that's what I was going for. So that becomes something very important to watch. But of course, you mentioned Debo Samuel, who did have a somewhat crazy offseason, but but he's been back, obviously a tremendous playmaker. And the thing with Debo is no matter how they use him, whether they use him as a wide back or not, is teams are going to have to prepare as if they're going to use him as a wide back because you never know what's going to happen. I think Brandon Ayuk is poised to really have a breakout season. The chemistry between him and Trey Lance has just been fantastic. They trained together all offseason, and it showed on the on the practice field. So that that is another playmaker for them. Uh, in, uh, Jawan Jennings is someone who will be interesting to see how he fares this season. He really came alive last year. So we'll see. And then a new rookie, Danny Gray, who's one of the fastest, probably the fastest receiver they've had in a very long time. Again, it kind of goes back to what I said about Debo. The benefit they have with these playmakers is that teams have to prepare for all of them, whether they use them all or not. You don't know if Danny Gray is going to be playing week one or whenever, but you got to prepare for him as if he is. And then in terms of the running game, Elijah Mitchell, second year player who really had a breakout season last year, late round draft pick. The 49ers really kind of excel with these late round gems but late round draft pick who had a heck of a season just had trouble staying injured so should he be able to stay healthy that is going to be a big thing and you know they have a number of running backs on that team but I think Elijah Mitchell will be one very much to watch and see and then it they'll have um that room the Ty Davis Price they have excuse me they have Jordan Mason they have Jeff Wilson Jr. it's going to be an exciting running back room but Health is always an issue with four hours running backs. I think health is an issue anyways with running backs, but always an issue with four hours running backs. But I think in terms of the kind of elite playmakers that I see on the horizon, of course, are Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. And I'm really excited to see what they do with Danny Gray because you've got a big arm with Trey Lance and a very fast receiver. And those are just things they haven't really had in quite some time. Yeah, we were a big fan of Danny Gray in this podcast uh, during the draft process. So I'm excited to see how he does for the 49ers. And I got Ayuk on a couple of my fantasy football teams here. So I'm kind of hoping for a a big year from him. Um, I think he is poised to have a really big breakout year. So you heard it here first, but I think I'm sure you've heard other places. But I really think that you're going to see him evolve into a star. Well, that's good news for my fantasy football team then. (laughs) Um, But switching over to the the defensive side of the ball here, you know, obviously, you have some true cornerstones in this front seven unit with Nick Bosa, Fred Warner, you know, one of the best linebackers in the game, and Eric Armstead. But the secondary is a unit that isn't really as discussed, I think, when we're regarding this defense as a whole. So who are some of the key players in the secondary that the Bears need to keep an eye out for uh, this upcoming week? Well, the 49ers went out in free agency and did something they haven't done in a very long time, which is get a true shutdown corner probably get a top five, six corner in the league in Charvarius Ward, whose nickname is Mooney, and he likes to be called Mooney, which will be great if he's on Mooney, because I am really in for a Mooney on Mooney crime tweet. So I'm just hoping for all of that right there. But I think that has been just a total literal game changer for San Francisco. On the other side, you have Emmanuel Mosley, who now is has been playing even better. Who's probably playing the best that he's played in his career. We'll of course see when the actual season starts, but it makes a real difference when you have a true number one corner that Emmanuel Mosley can compliment him in the way that he should and doesn't have to play the role of true number one corner. Cause that's not really who he is. It's not a knock on him. It's just not really who he is. Samuel Womack is a rookie that looks to be the starting nickel, which is, Pretty fantastic for him. Another late round round gem for San Francisco. I think that was a surprise for a lot of people. Not for this people because I talked about it pretty early. But I think that was a surprise for a lot of people. And he is a rookie. And, of course, not 
not perfect, but certainly has been playing very well and playing well enough that they let a couple other people go because they had that much confidence in him and his ability. And they lost K1 Williams in free agency. And so Womack will take over that role. So all of a sudden the secondary is very talented at the corner position. Now they're starting the season with Jimmy Ward on IR, which is a huge loss for San Francisco. I think he's a very underrated safety in this league. And so that becomes a huge loss. They're excited about Talanoa Hufunga, who is starting beside him. They are not saying yet, which is not a big shock to anybody, but that is a big loss for them. But I think the benefit at least is that by having Charvarius Ward as their CB1, it just shores everything up. So when you lose a Jimmy Ward, of course it's a huge loss, but it's not as if all the talent has now left the building, so to speak. So speaking of talent, right, how about 49ers defensive coordinator D'Amico Ryans? He's going into year two with the unit. I think last year was a great year for him to just continue doing what he's done or what the 49ers have done under Robert Saleh. This year, you know, he's had an entire offseason to kind of prepare. Things are back to normal. What has D'Amico done to put his stamp on the unit? Well, I think he's really just like you said, continued to just continue what Robert Salas started. And there really was no drop-off last year, except in the secondary, where things were a mess. Jason Breck gets injured in week one, and then that other corner position becomes you know completely up in the air. But they, they worked around that. So I think what he's done is he's taken an elite unit and kept it elite. And I think this defense will be even better this year because they're better in the secondary, because he's had another year with this unit. We haven't talked about Javon Kinlaw, who's someone that the 49ers are very excited about and feel like if he can stay healthy is going to be a, have a tremendous impact on this team. So I think what D'Amico Ryans has done has just made this unit even better, continue with Salah started. And this was an elite defense. And the fact that they've gotten even better, you know, he interviewed for head coaching positions in this off season or in actually towards the end of last season, he chose to stay with San Francisco, but I'd be surprised if he doesn't end up as a head coach somewhere next year or the following, because really what he's done with this unit to keep them together and he and his staff to make them even better. It's pretty incredible. Yeah. Especially in the playoffs getting to see them absolutely demolish that Packers offense in the playoffs mm-hmm. there. I, I'm sure every bears fan was um, yes. having a good time with that one, but um, kind of transitioning to kind of what the 49ers did in the draft this year, you know, they did not have a first round pick due to the trade Lance trade, but they still managed to make nine selections in the, uh, 2022 NFL draft out of this class so far, who has stood out the most to you and who do you think is going to play a big role for uh, this team this season? Well, I talked about Samuel Womack and so think he probably will make the biggest impact, but you know, that being said, I, Danny Gray is going to have tremendous potential in this office. Ty Davis price is going to have tr- pr- tremendous potential in this office. Davis price is a very physical back. And we got to see a little bit in the preseason what they like so much about him and how important that is to this offense. So I think that will have a, a big impact. I want to give credit to Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, the last pick in the draft who made the team is QB3, which pretty impressive. So I, I think there's that. But I think you're going to see Womack and Gray probably make the biggest impact this year. But I wouldn't sleep on Ty Davis Price because there's potential. And then, of course, Drake Jackson. Drake Jackson, who's coming along extremely well. A lot of people surprised he made it past the first round. You know, I don't know that he's going to be the guy this season, but I think he'll make an impact. I think he will be helpful on the other side of Nick Bosa on, the, you know, on the other end of the line. And I think Drake Jackson, you can see, you can see the talent, you can see the potential. And I would say from week one to week 17, I expect that we're going to see tremendous strides from him. So last question for me here, and I can't let you go without asking you this, but 2022 marks Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch's sixth season together. The 49ers are three years removed from a Super Bowl. It's about, you know, a year since the team traded for Trey Lance, a little over, you know, 14, 15 months, right around there. But what exactly are the expectations for this GM head coach duo going into their sixth season together? Because I think if you're the ownership group, you're looking at this and you're saying, yeah, we've seen a lot of good, but we've also come up short at times. They have come up short at times, but I think the thing to remember 
with the NFL is it's really, really hard to get to a Super Bowl, and it's really, really hard to win one. So I think when you look at them being a few years removed from the Super Bowl, they had the COVID year, which was a kind of a disaster of a year um, for everybody, of course, but you know, from the football perspective. And then the next year they go to the NFC Championship game. And if I'm ownership and if I'm a 49er fan, I would look at this team being three and five. And really, it could go one way or the other. They were at one point three and five. It looked like the sky was falling. And they end up in the NFC Championship game. They draft this young quarterback who, like I said at the beginning, we're not going to know this year what he is. I think we'll see some of it, but we're not going to know what he is. So I think the expectations should be, if it were me, the expectations would be get to the playoffs, win a playoff game. Maybe you win a two. You get to the playoffs, and then, of course, like it's it all starts over. Uh, I see the team as a 10 or 11 with team, 11 win team with a wild card berth. And then you see what happens. I actually would not be surprised if they end up in Dallas and Green Bay again in their first two playoff games. But I think that has to be the expectation because the other thing I would say for Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch is the culture has changed so dramatically since they got here or got to San, to San Francisco that there has to be something to be said for that too. I mean, even when the team was 0-9 in their first season, just the mood in the locker room was the mood of a group of people who had bought in. And I think, so they had 2017, 2018, Jimmy Garoppolo gets hurt game three. That's the end of that. Next year, Super Bowl. Next year, COVID. Next year, NFC Championship game. So I think for this year, it's get to the playoffs. Obviously, everyone wants to win a Super Bowl every year. And I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. This roster is built for that. But it is, of course, going to depend a lot on the play of their very young quarterback. So to me, the expectation would be you get to the playoffs, you win a couple games, and you kind of go from there. But I think the other thing you want to see is improvement from Trey Lance from week one to week 17, like I said about Drake Jackson. And I think if the team plays well, he continues to improve, and they're in the playoffs, they win a game or two, things are looking very good. That would be my feeling on that. Yeah, I think us Bears fans are kind of seeing with this new coaching staff coming in that you can't underestimate what culture can do for your franchise. And Mm -hmm. we've seen that with the 49ers over the past few years going through a lot of adversity as well. So last question for me, Tracy, uh, what's your prediction for uh, Sunday's game? Uh, Who do you think is going to win? And uh, what do you think the score is going to be for this one? I'm so bad at picking scores. I'll do it. But (laughs) just know that because I said it, it's definitely not going to happen. I do think the 49ers are going this going to win this game. I think obviously anything, any given Sunday, anything can happen, but I, I do think they are no offense, a far superior team on the talent side. And so they should win this game. It might be closer than people think just because it is week one, it might rain. It'll be Trey Lance, not Trey Lance's first start, but his first start is the anointed QB one of the team. Uh, but I would say the 49ers win this game 28 to 14. Yeah, week week one, anything can happen, but I, as Bears fan, I struggle not to agree with you on this one. Uh, just the way these teams are Sorry, at. Guys. And you guys were so <laughs> nice to have me on, so I really feel bad about this. Absolutely. Well, we loved having you on. And, you know, just for our viewers and listeners out there, where can they uh, find you on social media and find your work out there um, moving forward for this season? Well, please listen to my podcast, The Tracy Sandler Show. We are twice a week on the Believe Network, uh, Tuesdays and Fridays. You can find me on Instagram at Tracy Sandler. Find me on Twitter at 49ers Fangirl. And I'll just throw one more thing at you all. FGSN.com is the website. So any of those places, you can find me. And thanks so much for having me. It was a lot of fun. Absolutely. It was a lot of fun talking uh, talking about the 49ers, talking about this game. And uh, we hope to see you around, hopefully back in the podcast another time. It was really fun talking with you today. Thank you so much. Talk to you soon. Sports betting continues to take over the sports world, and with fall right around the corner, there's going to be action from every major league sports league across the country on our own TVs. If you're like me, you're glued to the couch watching as many games as you can. Our friends at Oz Trader have got you covered with all the odds for each major sports book from around the web, all in one place just for you. 
As an added bonus, Odds Trader even compares the signup codes and promos so you get the best deal possible. When you're trying to find the best book, it's always best to have the best signup codes and promotions. Sometimes those even come with boosts, even additional money deposits. The app gives you a complete rundown on any game, including statistics, injuries, key game stats, game day weather, keeping you, the fan, as informed as possible. And sometimes if you're like us, You've got multiple bets going at once. Odd Trader will keep track of them all in one place for you. So what we want you guys to do is this. Head over to oddtrader.com slash bluewire. Once again, that's oddtrader.com slash bluewire, the number one website for all your game day bets. All right. And so that was our discussion interview, so to speak, with Tracy Sandler. Um, a lot of good stuff there. You said um, any major takeaways from what she was able to um, just kind of the information behind the curtain, so to speak, of what she was about, what she was saying about the 49ers going into this week one game against the Bears. And, you know, does that change our our thoughts on how this game is going to go this week? So. I think that there's a lot that goes into this, right? And sorry, my mic was muted there for a second or two. But anyway, I think that all offseason, Bears fans have kind of just honed in on the fact that the 49ers and Trey Lance are struggling, right? It's a new year for him. He hasn't necessarily played any serious football since the 2019 season. So it's been a couple of years. You know, what exactly is this year going to hold for him? But at the end of the day, people have to understand something. Is the 49ers may not have the flashiest guys on the field, but they are an incredibly well-coached team. And over the last couple of years, I think it's been shown that sometimes really good coaching tends to triumph talent. And that's exactly what Kyle Shanahan has done, you know, getting the 49ers to the NFC Championship game, getting them to the Super Bowl, you know, putting them in a position to knock off the Packers. And so at the end of the day, this 49ers team, I think that the big question mark is Trey Lance. But also at the end of the day, I mean we would be dumb to dismiss the rest of the roster, which I think already has blue chip players like a George Kittle, a Debo Samuel and a Nick Bosa. But also there's so much young talent that's continuing to come up that could really form the foundation for what a team could look like around Trey Lance. Yeah. It's almost an ideal situation. I think to have for a young quarterback, you have one of the best play callers uh, in the game and Kyle Shanahan, and that, that crazy offense that just – it seems like they can produce a productive offense with anybody at quarterback. Now, obviously, they've, been, they've had a ton more success when Jimmy G is in the lineup compared to some of the other backups that they've had in recent years. But clearly, it's, a offense, it's an offense that can elevate the quarterback, so to speak. And when you have an athletic talent like Trey Lance who can add so much in the run game, it, it definitely adds some intrigue to what Cal Shanahan can bring to the table here in week one where I'm sure they haven't – revealed enough or really a ton of what they're going to do run game wise with with Lance and what he can do as a read option quarterback there so um, I'm excited to see that but you know also you look at some of the weapons they have here you got Debo you got Kittle who as Tracy said may not play in this one he's dealing with a groin injury I believe so that's something to keep an eye on for the remainder of this week Um, but Ayuk I think is going to have a pretty big year as well Um, Tracy mentioned him specifically as having a big year and of course you know, we love Danny Gray coming out of the draft. Sounds like he's made an impression so far in camp as well. So there's a lot of talent on the San Francisco offense that the Bears have to contend with here. But I think if there's one place where the Bears can take advantage of this group uh, or of this offense is, you know, the tackles, they're, they're pretty solid there with McGlinchey and, of course, Trent Williams, who's one of the best in the game. But uh, the interior, Tracy mentioned it quite a bit, but the interior offensive line for the 49ers is a weak spot for this offense and really this 49ers team as a whole so if there's anywhere where the Bears can kind of exploit this group is to try to get some push in the interior there against that soft, um, well, relatively soft um, interior offensive line group. You know, Justin Jones, he's going he's gonna to have to have a big game this one. Watts, you know, the new pickup from the Vikings, he's going to have to have a big game. Angelo Blackson, like those guys are going to have to make an impact in this one. I, I think that the Bears are going to have a chance of winning this game on that side of the ball. 
Yeah, it's certainly going to be interesting to watch, right? And, and again, if you're the Bears, I mean, you talk about the interior of the offensive line for the 49ers, but for the Bears, I mean, they're breaking in a completely new defensive line as well, where it's out with Eddie Goldman, Bilal, Nicks, Bilal Nichols, and Akeem Hicks, and it's kind of in with Justin Jones, Rob Quinn, Travis Gibson, Dominique Robinson, Elkudin Muhammad. A lot of really good names there. Um, you've also got the Bears transitioning from a 3-4 to a 4-3. And I think that a lot of people don't understand that what happens in a 4-3, specifically with the defensive line, is that how the D-line plays often allows the rest of the front seven. So you're looking at your linebackers to really be able to play their best football. So we're going to see a lot of different looks, and I would not be surprised to see the Bears send a couple two- or three-man pressures on those early downs, kind of try and get Trey Lance rattled and out of his rhythm. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Yeah, we'll see what Eberflus has schemed up here for this week one game because if he can you know, find a way to make things difficult for Lance and mix up his coverages and rushes a little bit, that could give the Bears an advantage here against a young quarterback that's still developing and hasn't had a ton of experience even going back to college and high school. So uh, that's going to be the main thing to watch out for on that side of the ball. On the opposite side of the ball for the Bears, obviously, you know, we can talk about we can talk all day about Justin Fields, but I think the major storyline for uh, this Bears team is how is this offensive line going to match up against this defensive line, which is among the best in the NFL. I mean, you go down the list of the 49ers depth chart here. Obviously, you had Nick Bosa. He's one of the best um, edge rushers in the NFL. He's probably a top five guy in the NFL at edge rusher right now. He's he's a beast. He's yearly year in year out. He's consistent. Has been since entering the league. You have him there at one side. Um, you have Eric Armstead at the interior, who's another solid piece for you for them. Um, Samson Abicon has been a solid player um, since they signed him from last year. He was also a pretty good rotational guy for the Rams. You know, a lot of talent there. They they draft Drake Jackson in the second round. He's got a lot of talent. They drafted Javon Kinlaw in the first round a few years ago, if you remember. Um, that was the pick that they got from the Indianapolis Colts, uh, I believe, in the DeForest Buckner trade. So uh, it sounds like they have a high expectation for uh, Javon Kinlaw going into this year, and if, if that can come to pass, like this defensive line is just – it's scary. It really is. This is a very talented defensive front that the Bears had to contend with here. And, oh man, I mean, I'm looking at this thing, and, you know, the Bears, it sounds like Lucas Patrick, um, he wasn't on the injury report. I know he's dealing with that thumb injury, but it sounds like he's probably going to play in some of the capacity. It sounded like he was getting first-team reps, first reps at right guard at practice today over Tevin Jenkins. I'm not sure if that's something that plays out. Um, we'll see what happens there, but the offensive line still in flux for the Bears here, and that doesn't bode well for me personally going up against probably one of the top five defensive lines in the NFL, which the 49ers have. So that's going to be something to monitor when the injury reports do come out on Thursday and Friday, respectively, with the one that coming out on Friday kind of being the final report before kickoff happens Sunday at 12 p.m. But, you know, what makes Lucas Patrick's return so soon so interesting is the fact that the Bears have pretty much spent the last five to six weeks of training camp practicing with Sam Mustafer at center. Now all of a sudden you throw Lucas Patrick into the mix, and I think you're looking at two things. Number one, you're kind of looking at 
the rust that's there. He's going to need time to kind of get back into the rhythm. But also, number two, you're looking at this and you're saying, you know, he's a veteran. It's just a hand injury. He's going to fight through it. He's kind of been here before. He's going to want to be out there with his other teammates. So ultimately, I think for Lucas, what it comes down to is I would not be surprised if he does end up playing on Sunday, even if they do decide to put him on a pitch count. Yeah, we'll see what happens because Sam Mustafer, ever ever since training camp starts and, and Patrick went down, he's pretty much been the starting center for them. So he's gotten all the reps with Justin Fields. He has a lot of familiarity there, obviously, from their time um, going into last year when he was a starting center. So um, that's going to be it's, – it's weird because Patrick, it's like it sounds like he literally – like the thumb injury is, is to a point where he literally – they don't want him snapping the ball, but he's healthy enough to go out there and he can latch on to defensive linemen like – that part of it makes no sense, and they just ha- figured it out with Tevin Jenkins of hit, making him a right guard. He looked good at right guard during the preseason. I, I, it's preseason, so there's not much to take away there, but still, you, you finally figure out what to do with Tevin Jenkins, and now it seems like they're going back on that for week one. So we'll see what happens. We'll see how they deal with that. It's just it's a question mark once again for a unit that already has a ton of question marks to kind of you know go through here going into this game. So, uh, you know, with that said, you know, at this point, I, I, I think there's not much left to be said for this game. It's going to be uh, a, t- a tough test for this Bears team. And let's get into predicting this one you said. So you said, uh, what's your prediction for this one? Do you think the Bears have a shot here? Or, uh, you know, do you think the 49ers talent ends up winning out here for week one? Yeah, crazy enough, I do think the Bears have a shot here because it's like we talked about with Tracy, right? It's week one, anything can happen. The entire league for the next couple weeks is kind of just a scrapshoot because, I mean, you can't do the most fundamental stuff like tackle properly because of NFLPA restrictions. So I do think the Bears are going to come out and win this game, but I think they're going to win 24-20 to because I think that Lucas Patrick's going to be back. The offensive line's going to get a bit of a jolt. And then what you're going to see is, you know, the running game really dominate, but also just the Bears take Nick Bosa out of the game. Yeah, interesting. Interesting taking a week one upset here for the Bears. I like that. I like the optimism, but I, I'm not feeling as optimistic here. I, I think this 49ers team is damn good. I think I think a lot of the stuff about you know Trey Lance and the Jimmy G dynamic is a little bit overblown. I still think Trey Lance is going to be fine. I think he's going to come out and play well. Um, and you know, I, I just think the 49ers have so much talent on both sides of the ball, and they're such a well coached team on so, both sides of the ball that. I just have a I have a tough time seeing this Bears team, um, you know, winning this one. I think it's going to be a, li- a little bit closer um, than we think, but you know, I, I think in the end, you know, 49ers, they just have too much talent to overcome here for the Bears. So my prediction is the uh, 49ers are going to win this one, 31 to 20. I think it's going to be close for the majority of it, but I think the 49ers are going to kind of, you know. Take this, take take the reins of this game late, um, and take over late in this game, um, just because you know I, I think the run game is going to get going. I, I don't think the Bears' offensive line and the interior specifically is good enough to make up for uh, the 49ers having some questions there. You, you know, I, I don't think this offensive line is going to be able to hold up against this 49ers pass rush, and I think they're going to try to do some things to play around that and try to take some of these pass rushes out of the game. But at some point, they're going to have to get to a drop back passing game. And that's just where I just have a, t- a ton of concerns right now. I, I think Justin Fields is going to look good. I hope he does look good. I, that's probably the one thing I'm looking for, I'm looking forward to here because the 49ers, they did pass on Justin Fields to draft Trey Lance here. So are we going to get like a Justin Fields revenge game where he's going to come out angry and pissed off and looking to have a big one, big game here? You know, we'll see what happens. I hope that's the case, but I don't know. I, I'm just – maybe it's the pessimist to me from watching this Bears team for so long, but – um, right now, I, I just don't see them coming out with a win here. It's going to be a tough one in week one, but you never know. It's week one. Uh, there are upsets all the time in the first couple weeks of the season. We've seen it uh, happen quite a bit here. Maybe the Bears, they can pull off an upset here and start off the new regime here with a W um, to get things started in 2022. So uh, I'm looking forward to this. We're all looking forward to us here, Bears fans. We're, we're so we're so close to getting here for the start of this season. Um, it, it's just Man, the way the, over these next couple of days is just going to be – it's going to be tough to do. But uh, to wrap it up here, you said, um, you know, 
for all of our listeners here that follow us both on YouTube and um, on all path podcasting platforms here at the blue wire. Um, you know, if you want to follow us here, make sure to follow us on social media uh, at picture polls on Twitter. And you say, where can our listeners and followers um, find you on social media and find your work as well? Yeah, guys, you can follow me on social media. That's Twitter and Instagram at Usaid Koshal. Check out my work on the Bear Report. Yeah, absolutely. Make sure to give Usaid a follow. As for me, you can find me on Twitter at AGFreeman25. You can find my work on the Bear Report as well. Make sure to keep an eye out for uh, my Tracking the Trenches series coming up for this upcoming week one game. I'm excited to get back to that for this upcoming season. You know, a lot of new faces here in the pass rushing unit and offensive line unit. So, uh, looking forward to looking forward to a new Bears season. We are here. Um, I'm pumped up. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it, guys. Um, and for all of our Bears fans out there, uh, enjoy this week one. Enjoy all the build up to it because um, you know it's it. There's only 17 of these games, so just enjoy it when you can. So, without further ado, it's going to wrap it up for us here at the Picks for Polls podcast. Uh, have a safe weekend, everybody, and bear down. We got some Bears football uh, on Sunday. Looking forward to it. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.